Broadcasting from the 72nd floor of First Canadian Place in the heart of Toronto's financial district, this is Hashtag Finance, the podcast that profiles innovative entrepreneurs and thought leaders operating in the public markets. Presented to you by the CSE, the exchange for entrepreneurs. Hi, I'm Grace with the CSE, and today we're here on Bay Street on the top of the First Canadian Place, and I'm here with Melissa Rolston, who does quite a bit, and I'm going to let her tell you (laughs) what she does. Um, Yeah, so I'm the founder and CEO of Jada Topicals, which is a cannabis-infused skincare company that's set to launch in spring of 2020. And I'm also the the founder and a board member of BTS Stories, which is a nonprofit organization that aims to abolish stigmas that keep society at a standstill from evolving. Wow. Okay, so before we get into that, um, just through knowing you and doing a little bit of research... um, your story of how you got to where you are today. Um, You apparently came to Toronto wanting to do um, or to evolve in your photography career, Mm -hmm. but that ended up with a licensed uh, producer in, when was it? 2013. Okay. So that's like right when it was first starting. Yeah. So the, as you know, the MMPR was introduced in uh, 2014. So when I had come on board with this project, I came in as actually an executive assistant to the CEO of the um, licensed producer applicant. Um, And while we were waiting our licensing, we, through um, the connections that our organization had, we were able to create one of the first patient acquisition clinics in Toronto with a well-known Toronto chronic pain clinic. Um, Actually, I'd been working in the chronic pain space since I was about 15 years old, um, more on a medical office admin side. Um, But it was just very, it was kind of easy just to get things rolling to help transition those patients to the, the new commercialized program that was coming into play. Okay. And so, you know, the transition from photography into this new kind of, you know, the cannabis industry was very much the Wild West back then. Yeah. Was it, was it for passion or was it for the money? I, you know, like I said, I, I'd grown up working in chronic pain clinics and I had always been self-taught at photography since around the same age. So I felt I was, I was walking these two different potential pathways for my life. Um, and it came to a point where I was at a crossroads and I, I had gone through a, a life change. And when I was making the final decision on what I wanted to pursue over the next year to explore something different, I decided to put down my camera and, and really focus more on cannabis, um, mainly because of the patients and, and, and their stories and, kind of how the movement has, you know, brought us to where we are today. But being in the midst of it in 2014 and and working with those families, it was just, you couldn't, you couldn't change that for the world. It was, it it felt, it filled my soul just as much as photography did, but differently because I was helping people. Yeah. And that's, that's pretty brave of you to walk into like a new industry, um, just, you know, open heartedly and, and kind of be so passionate about it. And what would, what um, kind of advice would you offer, you know, someone who hasn't really followed that linear path that they've put out for themselves and Mm -hmm. they're, they're kind of diving into a new industry? Like never be afraid to ask questions ever. It's okay to be considered the stupidest person in the room because you're going to make your own connections yourself based on what you feel is your purpose and what your mission is in the career path that you want to pursue. 
So for example, for me with cannabis, I was lucky enough to have a network of medical professionals that I could lean on and I would read medical journals and I would talk to the patients and just using logical and critical thinking, be able to kind of point them in the direction that they themselves needed to be. Because a part of me, you know, growing up in a holistic home, I feel that you can always be your own doctor in order to manage symptoms, especially when you're suffering from some sort of chronic illness. Um, so I really wanted to instill those teachings and learnings that I grew up with in the people that I that I had been introduced to and helped guide along the path either to health or to die with dignity. And and you must have seen some pretty interesting cases. Yeah. Um, can you talk about one that really stands out to you? Um, yeah. So I, I do have permission to talk about this one case. Um, it was it was a young boy who had uh, t- uh, t- was essentially diagnosed terminal brain cancer, um, and we I had been working with their family since they had gotten their prescription. So providing the parents with resources to be able to make the cannabis oil at home, um, being able to make sure it was all done legally so that they couldn't run into any sort of custody problems and they were following the the rules of the law. Um, And then they were also using the cannabis alongside their traditional treatments. So I don't know if you know this, but in Ontario, if uh, your child is diagnosed with cancer and you say that you don't want to pursue conventional treatments, um, it's actually illegal. So they were using the alternative therapy, which is, I like to call it cannabinoid therapy, alongside um, chemotherapy, and they were doing some cybernate radiation treatments. Um, And we finally got them to this point where their symptoms were managed, their quality of life was enhanced. And once they had gone in the conventional treatment side, they had figured out a way to really, really reduce the tumor size. So this this young, vibrant kid ended up becoming cancer-free. But unfortunately, because of the the invasive side effects of chemotherapy, the bone marrow had turned to scar tissue, and they ended up getting pneumonia in the wintertime and and passed away. Um, But that little boy, like, he... He changed my life. He changed the meaning of a date for me personally. And uh, I still talk to his parents to this day. And he's, yeah, like th- those are the stories, you know what I wow. mean? Like real, yeah, real life changing experiences. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And you must have learned or gained like, a lot of skills that you could probably put forth to your new initiatives that you're doing today. And could you talk about some of those? Yeah. So, I mean, um, with with BTS stories, We want to capture the behind the scenes stories to help break a stigma. Um, So what we've been really focusing on over the past year is collecting people's stigma stories. So either their own internal battles with stigma and cannabis use and having to overcome it to be able to reach some sort of point in quality of life while dealing with their their ailments or dealing with stigma that's been pushed on them through family members or their workplace or whoever it may be. Um, so having those people come and tell those stories really just paints a very human picture of the internal and external battles that a lot of people have had to deal with while exploring the can- well while we've gone down the journey of the cannabis movement essentially. Yeah, no, that's really interesting and and moving, really, to be uh, involved in in that. Um, And then you also, I remember when I, Richard, the CEO of the uh, Canadian Securities Exchange, brought you through the office. Yeah. One of the first things he pointed out was that you had a show on Sirius XM. 
Yeah, so I had had a, a weekly segment for about a year and a half. Um, and that was really when I kind of, you know, had to overcome my own stigmas of being okay with putting my face and name in front of something. Because for the longest time, you know, from 2013 to 2016, I was, at, no one, everyone just knew me as Melissa. Mm-hmm. No one knew my last name. I didn't do any PR. I was very behind the scenes. And so taking that opportunity allowed me to really branch out and own my voice and and help, you know, provide solutions for people that want to be more cannabis eccentric and want to talk about it more and explain what's going on in the industry from an actually industry stakeholders point of view. Mm -hmm. And even you being that thought leader in that space, especially back then when cannabis wasn't really, it was stigmatized, Mm -hmm. right? It even still is to this day. Yeah. And was there ever some sort of like, were you ever stigmatized amongst your family, your friends? Oh, totally. Um, I'm a military kid, so I think that says enough. Um, for that side of the family. But I mean, like, as time started to move, people's perceptions started to change as well. But I still very much dealt with stigma personally. Um, I didn't know if I could use cannabis. I didn't know if it was okay. Um, Even though I was helping all these patients and doing all this research, and I knew what would be beneficial for me for managing um, symptoms of PTSD and anxiety, I would still not, I was like, I don't know. Should I be doing this? And it was always this internal fight. And I was like, I'm not, I can't be the only one that feels this way. Um, And I really, really noticed it when a family member of mine, they had been diagnosed with with an illness that CBD would have been an incredible um, benefit to them in order to even just manage the side effects from their their traditional conventional pharmaceuticals. And um, they, the first thing they said to me was, no, I don't want to be a stoner. And then I was like, well, what if I break the stigma on it? And that kind of got me rolling into my whole little entrepreneurial spirit. Like, let's mission, like, let's make this happen. Yeah. Um, But it's definitely been a long journey. And I've had to change a lot of the ways to approach it. But now I feel that the strategy is very fine-tuned. And I'm really excited to launch all the content that we've been building over the past year. And even, you know, back then, um, when you were doing that, uh, you you kind of talk about in past interviews that, you know, your age was almost like a stigma and people weren't really taking you seriously. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. So (laughs) that that must have been really hard for you to kind of be a thought leader in this kind of industry. Mm -hmm. And then people are coming down on you, not only about the cannabis, but your age. So that must have been a it was, it was definitely a hurdle. I always like to try to take the approach that, you know, age is a number. And although I am a woman, it's not going to be a barrier for me. I'm going to put myself in positions and surround myself with the right people to to be able to pursue my dreams. And who and, are these people? Who are these key allies and supporters that you have? So there's a bunch of them. Yeah. But um, this isn't a Grammy speech or something. So <laughs> I'm going to name I'm going to name an organization that is, you know, supported me since before I even raised money for Jada or anything like that. It was it's definitely Blake's law Blake's Castle's Graydon, the law firm. Um, when I had co-relaunched the Women Grow Toronto initiative. They were our first sponsor. They always helped us out whenever we needed help, whether it was speakers or sponsoring events. Um, I kept really close with their cannabis team. And they... When I when I finally came to a situation where I was raising capital, I went to them and I was like, I couldn't see myself 
retaining any other law firm aside from you guys because they had been there since the beginning. Um, and I'm very appreciative for them. They have helped out immensely, even just taking the time to, I mean, I dropped out of school. So teaching me the ropes of some very key fundamental business skills that you require to be able to run an organization like this, it's been immensely helpful. Yeah, no, definitely. And and you're, you're probably very, well, anyone is pretty vulnerable going to any kind of law firm, right? Yeah. And they, you know, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. So, and then if you, I kind of want to go and dive into BTS, okay. Breaking the Stigma, because I love that foundation. It's awesome. Um, so I just want to talk about like, what is the main initiative? So right now we're focusing on the BTS cannabis campaign. So the behind the scenes of cannabis um, and our mandate is to help rally the general public to lobby for consumption spaces um, because we feel not only is it discriminatory towards medical cannabis patient users, um, but also, you know, this is another mind altering experience that adults can use. So why can it be normalized the same way that alcohol is? Um, and kind of, it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, smoking a joint somewhere. It could be dinners or, um, mocktails with tinctures. There's so many different creative ways that the industry has been incredibly innovative around mm -hmm. that we can really start to bring this into a more normalized area within Canada. And how do we evolve from stigmas? I know that's a loaded question. Yeah, but it is a loaded question. <laughs> How do you think we evolve from stigmas? I believe that once you have that aha or epiphany moment, your thought process changes and you create a different connection in your brain. And once that starts to happen in a ripple effect amongst Canadians or the world, um, you'll start to see a mind shift. Just like when we started to legalize cannabis, there's a massive mind shift towards people's perception of it because now it's being written into like um, legislation, right? Mm -hmm. So as, you know, everyone's going to do their own role. People are going to talk about it. People aren't going to talk about it. It's going to be in the media. It's not going to be in the media. It's like a ripple effect. It is 100% a ripple yeah. effect, yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome. No, and, and uh, it's great. That initiative is great. I love the name. Everybody loves the name every time I bring it up. So... Um, and then you just had a recent news release about um, Jada Life. Yeah, about Jada. Yes. So Jada is a project I've been working on since 2014 um, is when I started developing formulations to allow my own symptoms of eczema and some chronic pain that I personally deal with to manage those. Um, and I never really thought that it would, I'd be sitting here today talking about it, to be honest with you. It was just a solution I wanted for myself. Um, but it's, it's something that's very close to my heart and kind of like a ripple effect through friends and family. People just started using it. Um, so to be able to go and raise capital and to have the legislation change as in October, to be able to actually see this product potentially on a shelf legally is kind of surreal to me still. <laughs> and so Jada Life is the skincare product. Yeah, so Jada Topicals is the skincare, and Jada Life is our brand. Okay. So Jada actually means to know or understand. So the way that I educated patients, especially when they were very cannabis naive, was I would get them comfortable and familiar through using topicals. And... Um, it just kind of got them to know and understand their life and their symptom management and what they needed. 
to mm-hmm. to do to to be able to have the best quality of life. And so I wanted it to be around the like core roots and values of where I came from in this industry. Interesting. And then when I go onto the website, it's like Jada X Dana. And then there's all these really cool jewelry, like necklaces, which you have on. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yes, I am wearing one right now. Um, So I wanted to be I wanted to create a non-traditional swag item that really made a bold statement so that we could tie it into BTS and really showcase right out of the gates the social enterprise that I was trying to create or am creating, not trying, I'm doing it. Um, So basically with that is where do you wear jewelry on your skin? Yes. Well, what hope? Right? (laughs) I mean, sometimes people put on turtleneck, but whatever. that, That comes down to a style thing. Um, so I want my whole sole purpose is is empowerment from the skin to within. So I want to empower my community of consumers. I want to empower them so that they're not feeling skin insecurities. And rather than covering up their skin insecurities, I want to create really, really innovative products that help manage those skin insecurities. But also I want them to feel like the queen mm-hmm. or the king that they are. And so... I grew up with jewelry. I love jewelry. Um, I met Dana a couple of years ago, and he's very much become like a brother to me. Um, And we developed this line, and it just really made sense as the next move. There's a massive gap in the Canadian market right now for high-end cannabis jewelry. Um, And it's a good way to tie in the social initiatives that we're planning to support throughout the next couple of years with the Dana X Dana, the Jada X Dana campaign. Yeah. And I, and I noticed when I went onto the website that it was like 10 percent, 10% of proceeds go to breaking the stigma. Yeah. So how does that, how does that work? So the 10% of the quarterly profits from the, from the original Jada X Dana campaign are going to BTS stories. And the purpose of that is to help cover the cost for operational. So any content creator that we have in the organization, they get paid. So if we have anyone shooting video or doing camera or anything like that, they're all, they all work for the nonprofit and they are paid for their time and services. Um, We also need to raise money so that we can do a big media awareness campaign, um, which obviously costs quite a bit. And um, some of the lobbyists that we're working with, obviously, there's fees associated with that, too. So everything that goes into the the nonprofit is going towards executing our mandate. Nice. Good. Yeah. And just lastly, um, where are we with uh, the cannabis industry right now? And how is it reflected in your jewelry? Like, what can we look forward to? Because I know on your website, it said, you know, your jewelry reflects the current state of the cannabis industry. So where what's your jewelry going to look like three months from now? Well, I can't say that yet, (laughs) but um, I think that it's a it's a perfect reflection of where we are. Like we have cufflinks in our line. A lot of people in capital markets have made quite a significant amount of money and have lost some money um, through can through pot stocks. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, like we wanted to create tailored pieces to those people who have been at the forefront of breaking the stigma on cannabis without necessarily being aware of their contributions to it Mm -hmm. so it's kind of an emblem that we've created to represent where we are with legalization in Canada um, and to hopefully eventually see global legalization 
Don't ask me when that's going to happen. I'm just trying to manifest it right now. <laughs> <laughs> and where can we buy your lovely jewelry? Um, so you can go to www.jada.life. Um, and all the jewelry is there. It's uh, You can order it online. And hopefully we'll be seeing it in some retail partners soon. So if you sign up for a newsletter, we'll be able to keep you updated on that. And you have Twitter, Instagram. Yeah, so my personal uh, social media accounts are all Mel Rolling Stone on Twitter, Instagram. Love that name, by the way. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it's playing on my last name. Um, and then the Jada socials are This Jada Life on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming in and speaking with me today. Thank you so much for having me.